The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Hello and welcome to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster and I'm so excited to have a few guests from Amherst today. Um, one is Gabrielle Gould, who is the Executive Director of the Amherst Bid. Welcome, Gabrielle. Thank you for having me. Yep, happy that you're here. And um, also Sharon Sherry from the Jones Library. She's also the director there. I'm happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. Yes. And so, you know... I was doing some research on the Jones Library, even though it's been a well-known, um, beloved place in Amherst for a long time. But um, the Jones Library has been like an evolving conversation in the paper forever. Um, but before we get into all of the 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 capital campaign and the building and, and all of that, I was really um, intrigued by the story of the library and how... Um, in 2028, it'll be its 100th anniversary, right? So that's that's an amazing thing. And then Samuel Minot, Minot? Minot. Minot, great. Um, he put some money aside for a library, and because of his son's death, the library actually came to be. So do you want to tell a little bit about the history of the library? Oh, my gosh. Um <laughs> All of that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, sadly, um, Samuel Minot Jones's son passed away uh, during the flu ed- epidemic of 1918. Yeah. And so uh, the money that was originally going to go to the son uh, ended up being given to the town of Amherst. Which is and incredible. It, it really, Unfortunate for the son, obviously, but incredible yes. for the town of Amherst. Yes. And so the, the library building was built intentionally to look like a house. Uh, it's it's mother. Amherst welcoming home uh, its its family, its community. Um, And what's really cool about it is, so right, you know, nowadays libraries are, they're more than just repositories of books. They are these thriving, uh, bustling, program offering community living rooms. Um, But back 100 years ago, the thought of a public library being more than just a repository of books was really quite forward thinking. And so what uh, the first set of trustees did when they built the 1918 structure was the the forward facing on on Amity Street, this beautiful stone building um, was where the books were kept and uh, the traditional library reading rooms were there. But off to the side uh, built north was a 260 seat theater mm-hmm. um, and with a stage and so people came from all across the valley to see uh, plays and you know children's recitals and flower shows so um, that that was pretty amazing mm-hmm. and and so even then the library the Jones library was the center of town and so was the original library across the street before the fire? I th- think there were two spots that it was located in, and and I think fire may have played a part in both of them. Um, and and Amherst College students actually running into the building as it was burning to save the books and handing books to each other to pass in like a train, right? Pretty to amazing. Save all of the books. Yeah. I loved that story on the website. I was trying to do some digging, and I was like, okay, how this library come to be? What's the background story? And I just loved the history of how the library actually came to be through a lot of misfortunate steps, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been at the library? 
since 2011, uh, so a little over 12 years. Um, and basically, you know, when I was hired, it, it didn't take long. Uh, I, I knew from my previous job, I was, I, I was the director of the Greenfield Public Library before coming to Amherst, and I knew that the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners was going to be opening a construction grant soon. And so we talked about it with the trustees. The Jones Library is known in library circles across the state as being the most dysfunctional public library in the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> so wait, what? So yay us. Why? Um, Why? You know, again, it was built. Quite a mantle. <laughs> <laughs> it was built to look like a house. And, yeah. and there are lots of tiny little rooms and, and tiny little nooks and crannies and that absolutely worked beautifully you know in the 1920s but now fast forward to 2023 2024 2025 um, when library services are very different technology is very much incorporated um, sight lines are more and more important and we do not have that in the Jones library mm -hmm. we have six staircases that go to all sorts of different places, some of them public, some of them not public. Um, and and so it's very hard for a patron to figure out when you walk through the front door, where do I go next? Mm. Um, it's hard to find the circulation desk, much less the ESL department in the basement or special collections on the third floor in the back of the building. Um, so, so early on in my tenure, um, we knew that was the trustees voted we're going to we're going to apply for this, this next grant round um, and take it from there. And so that was 12 years ago. Yes. That you applied for a grant to do what? To change your library? To have some demo work done? And maybe have an assessment done? Great question. So what you actually start by doing is y you write a building program. And so the staff worked really hard. There's this like seven page spreadsheet, room by room by room, function by function. Um, so for example, we need, we need 20 computers, let's say. Each computer takes X amount of square feet. And so that's the kind of detail that was included in this in this spreadsheet. And, and when you add it all up, the, the total amount of square footage needed for services that were pr being provided today, this isn't something we're not assuming that the town of Amherst is going to grow. It's not a growth community. Um, this is for today's services. The, the total square footage ended up being about 100,000. And well, so what you do then is then you hire an architecture firm and they come in and with all of their knowledge. And and at that point, we, we all realized we can't have a 100,000 square foot building. It doesn't fit on the lot, nor can we afford it. Um, so we whittled it down to in the area of 65,000 square feet. <clears throat> And that's basically where we are now. Um, but we had to go through a couple of different town meeting votes in order to apply for grants. Um, and I think we finally got the grant approved, let's say, in 2019, something like that. I'm not remembering all of my dates exactly, but... <laughs> that's, that's COVID for you. It's right. like, when did that happen? Did we really meet? I'm not sure if we did. <laughs> the fog. Right. The fog. <laughs> um, so how big is the library currently? Right now it's uh, at 63,000 square feet and that's where it'll stay. Okay. So the footprint itself isn't changing. Correct. 
the inside is oh so changing from what it is now right. i'm sorry so right now the library's at 49,000 square feet got it once we renovate it will be 63,000 yep. square got feet it. and we'll be doing that we are preserving the 1928 l that will stay the same uh we're going to remove the uh 1993 edition that was put on in the back we're taking that off and adding a new edition on back sounds lovely and i think it bears mentioning preserving the facade the front the historic um you know everybody it's a beautiful building it's been put in you know storybooks it's it's just gorgeous and all of that is going to be preserved so from the street side you're still looking at the minot Am I going to get that? My not, the Samuel Minot um, house, if you will. You know, it still is going to look like a house and a warm, welcoming place for all in downtown Amherst. You know, the architecture firm that we hired many years ago, uh, uh, Feingold Alexander Architects out of Boston, we hired them because they are historic preservationists. Uh, they've done work uh, at UMass. Uh, across the state they've done work at the state house um, this is what they do so they have found a way to beautifully marry this this restored 1928 portion of the building along with a new modern open lots of great sight lines and sustainable sustainable uh, new addition um, and I, I really think the town and, and library patrons are going to love it when it's done is there currently an elevator in your building? So right now I've got two elevators. Yep. Uh, a, a front one, which is much too small. It doesn't meet code. Um, and, and we have a, a rear one, which barely uh, meets code. Both of those will be removed. And instead, there will be one new, uh, completely code requirement, uh, central elevator that yeah. brings you and down between all the floors that's great and i asked that because of all the stairs that you mentioned the six staircases that kind of stressed me out i was like oh my god like, that's so many staircases that don't necessarily go to where you want people to go or yeah well done yeah <laughs> it is an interesting navigation of that library uh, when we first moved here i i got lost in it and had an unpleasant experience and it was one of those moments where um, i didn't know that it was the most dysfunctional library in the state of massachusetts <laughs> but i walked out thinking it was had to be pretty close all right well we have to take our first break this is tara brewster you're listening to the western mass business show i'm here today with some representatives from amherst sharon sherry from the jones library and gabrielle gould who's the executive director of the bid in amherst we'll be right back the western mass business show with tara brewster whmp The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm here today with Sharon Sherry, who is the director of the Jones Library in Amherst, and Gabrielle Gould, who is the executive director of the Amherst Bid. And we're talking a little bit about the history of the library and about the history of Sharon at the library. Um, and also, we need to give a shout out to someone, to Kent Ferber, um, who's the co-chair of the Capital Campaign, who would be very proud of you, um, Sharon, at what you just did for the history of the building. So I threw you a little curveball there with some way back time stuff, um, and you did great. So Thank make you sure so he much. knows that. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so also on your website, I found out a little tidbit that I didn't know because I, I wouldn't have guessed this myself, but visiting a library is the most common American cultural activity. You know, I wish I had those stats in front of me. So there's a really cool infographic that the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners did. Uh, People go to public libraries uh, more often than visiting uh, the Boston Red Sox and and the Bruins and like combined. I don't believe it. (laughs) And I know and I know Gabrielle's looking like, really? I don't know if you believe it or not. I mean, I do because I think when you look at the span of a lifetime, you start going to libraries when you have little tiny humans. Sorry, you start going to libraries when you're a kid with your parents, then you are a teenager. And I mean, way back in the day, remember, we had to go to libraries because we had to write papers and and needed encyclopedias and all of that. So so we had that those years of, you know, pre um, I have a computer in my library. Exactly. Uh Um, And then you and then you have children and you need a million books to read your children every night and you need games to play with and Legos and then your teenagers you know have been there so I guess I believe it and it's free mm-hmm. like here are these beautiful spaces full of knowledge and warmth and compassion and it's free mm-hmm. um, so maybe that's it maybe it's just that we can all go no matter how broke your bank account is no matter how bad your day is you get to walk into this space and it's there for you and it's lit and it's good so yeah i believe it <laughs> well librarians I, wouldn't lie no <laughs> i i am not calling you all liars nor would i mess with librarians because speaking of books i read like you know um jared kazraka's books um lunch lady and like the league of librarians and you know oh, yeah. all that stuff so i from that book i would never mess with librarians <laughs> just saying so you have him to thank if he ever crosses paths with you in the library um but so you talked um, in the previous segment about the um, the space, the 220 seat space. Is that staying? Uh, well, so the room, yes, will be changing. Right now, we house our fiction stacks in that room, uh, and the stacks pretty much go from floor to ceiling um, because we we don't have anywhere else to go with them right now. Uh, but we'll, what we'll be able to do because we're adding square footage is we'll be able to take the stacks and push them off to the perimeter of the room. And so what you'll be able to to see is not only, you know, look up and you'll be able to see the be- beautiful barrel vaulted ceiling with the skylights, uh, you'll be able to see all the way into the back of the building out into the new the garden space. I think that's great. I think more public places need to have just larger rooms, community rooms, places to gather um, where you don't feel like you're in a claustrophobic uh, arena. So have you always wanted to be a librarian? Like, is this your calling? Like, did you know when you started at the Amherst library 12 years ago that this was going to be your thing? This was going to be the the cross you died on or the the cross you bear to the sword you died on. Um, Hopefully you're not going to die because of this, but the project is huge, right? It's been going on for how many years now? (laughs) The project is huge. This uh, from the beginning, 12 years. 12 plus. Yeah. Um, me personally, I've been a librarian for over 30 years. Uh, I did. I started young. She's only 38. 
<laughs> Prodigy. <laughs> Did I want to do it when I first entered it? Actually, no. I, I thought, you know, it was a part-time job when I started, and I thought, this is what I'll do now, and, and then I'll go into my, my real job, which at the time, believe it, I wanted to be president of the United States. I have an undergraduate degree in poli-sci, and, and it just it didn't happen for me. But instead, I got to work in these public libraries, and what I love is working with patrons. And that's that's... It, I am so lucky to be in this profession where, you know, the money comes from, for, for the core services, it comes from this town appropriation, tax dollars being pooled and shared equally for free for everybody. I'm the luckiest person in the world to be able to work with incredible staff members who just want to get to yes. How can we help you? You have no idea what kind of trouble any particular person has experienced that day and they come in to just grab a pile of picture books or the most recent John Grisham and they just they talk to us you know we become members of their family and 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 then they leave and they go about our, their day and I hope we hope that we have made their days better and it's so so yes i love this profession and i think i'm in it for the long haul wow <laughs> sharon sherry i'm so glad you're not president of the united states <laughs> <laughs> right my husband is as well <laughs> and who who actually like says that i mean as a profession as you know a young person is i mean i i don't know i i've never even heard anyone be like yes i want to do that you know at least not around my peers anymore it's probably different times than it was back then but i wanted to be an ambassador in school and i thought okay um you know government and anthropology this will be easy and then yeah, that wasn't fascinating yeah. yeah so anyway so i'm kind of along the same thing gabrielle what did you want to be when you grew up Oh, I was always going to be an actor. <laughs> it, was, it was that simple. So long, long road to not be that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still act? I don't um, anymore. Yeah. Not since we moved to Amherst. All right. Yeah. Well, I just had Pam Victor on my show oh. the other day from Happier Valley Comedy. Yes. So that could be maybe a that That might be the next. For yes. you. Yeah. yeah. They're doing some cool stuff over there, too. They are. They're down the road. always having so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. Yes. It's it's one of those groups that you're like, that looks like everything about it is just yeah. fun. And also being in the now, you know, being mm -hmm. in your body yep. and being yeah. present with where you're at right now, mm -hmm. which I kind of love thinking about because we're all trying to do a thousand things at the same time and really not being fully present in the and maybe because Sharon Sherry isn't president of the United States, we're constantly being thwarted with not being in the now. <laughs> because look at how positive she is. Can you imagine if she oh ran my the God, country? I loved it. I was like, can you please? Like, I just, you are in the perfect place. Like, all those lucky people that go into the library all the time and the, get to the feel staff, that energy. The staff of the library are... are they're really very special and you know and I say this all the time people aren't coming the Jones Library is the 22nd busiest public library in the state of Massachusetts you'd never know it from just how many libraries are there 360 something okay I just want to you know, just in case there's 23 libraries, I want to make sure that, you know, <laughs> no. 22 sounds pretty powerful out of 360 something. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, when you look at it, it looks like this adorable house and you come in and you're going to see your next door neighbors. But hundreds and hundreds of people are coming through that front door every day. And um, I always say people are coming not because of the building. Yes, it's beautiful. Uh, the woodwork in it, spectacular. You, you couldn't buy that woodwork today. 
they're coming for the staff, uh, the programs that they offer, the kind ear that they offer, the kindness that they offer. And so, yeah, that's where it's at. How many staff do you have? There's about 50 of us all together wow. between the three buildings. Yeah, that's a good size staff. I would guess half of that probably if I'd guess yeah so I, I just want to circle back to coming for the staff and the programs and that's fantastic and you're right they're not coming for the building but there is you know going back to the original statement of how dysfunctional that building is and what that staff is capable and doing within the confines a um, hundred years ago someone had the forethought to build a library for the next hundred years and that's an incredible thing to do, but it is time to build a library for the next hundred years. And I think one of the most heartbreaking things about the conversation that has been this library since I moved here five and a half years ago is it works for me. I'm great. It has what I need. And that is an amazing, wonderful, very, very fortunate statement to make. But this is not about me. This is not about you, Sharon. This is about the generations to come and to build and give to the people a library that is built for the 21st century. That should be that should be it shouldn't even be a question. Mm -hmm. It should be a, a rally cry. And, you know, the support behind it should be 100 percent. And it's so exciting to see and to hear Sharon talk about what they've been able to do. But what's going to happen when it's built for the 21st century and for our community? Because our community has grown in the last hundred years and everything has changed and it's time. That was awesome. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what the new building is going to be able to offer. I mean, the first thing I want to talk about is handicapped accessibility. You know, I happen to be lucky because I am able-bodied. Um, I can walk through whatever door I choose to walk through to get into the building, but that is not true for a lot of people. Um, and so so every space, every part of this new building will be handicapped accessible. Uh, I do want to talk about the climate, uh, the sustainability of this new building. It will be net zero ready on when we open and through the purchase of uh, off-site renewables, we will be net zero. Amazing. We need to take another break, but you've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster. I'm here today with Gabrielle Gould and Sharon Sherry talking about the Jones Library, and we'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guests today are Sharon Sherry from the Jones Library and also Gabrielle Gould, who is the executive director of the Amherst Bid. Right before the break, we were just talking about the building um, and how the plans for the building are going to make it more accessible and also net zero. So we kind of had to cut you off because we got a little too chatty there the last time. So, Sharon, do you have anything else to say about the building and the future dreams of it being net zero? Absolutely. So so we will be eliminating fossil fuels. Right now we use natural gas. Uh, what's interesting is the Jones Library accounts for 20% of the natural gas use in uh, throughout all the municipal buildings in the town of Amherst. So um, so we're going to make the, make the building climate friendly. We're going to be reducing the total lifetime carbon emissions by 41%. Amazing. Yeah, something to, to look forward to for sure. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think that 
One of the other things that I found really interesting was that there are a lot of repairs that you need to do to the building in conjunction with making, you know, improvements around sustainability and around accessibility and around, you know, the environment. There's also things that absolutely need to happen. Absolutely need to happen. So, um, for and it's actually difficult to choose what is the most important need. The entire roof needs to be replaced. It's it's at the end of its life. The the last time this building was was renovated was in 1993. That was a really long time ago. Um, so we need a new roof. Our entire HVAC system, again, at the end of its life, it needs to be removed and replaced our entire fire suppression system the sprinklers all the pipes leading to it they are all at the end of un, at the end of their lives they need to be replaced the atrium so we all love the atrium it's beautiful unfortunately it was not designed well it was not built well and it leaks terribly very very badly um, hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent since it was installed in the 1990s uh, and and it cannot be fixed it needs to be removed and replaced not with another atrium but with an actual ceiling um, there are some exterior repairs that need to be done some brickwork and certainly we need new carpets and things like that but the the most recent cost estimate just to have those repairs done is upwards of $20 million. And that's a very uh, conservative number. And so the town of Amherst is going to have to invest millions of dollars no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so, Gabrielle, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, your role in town and also your role in this project and how you see this project really fitting into economic development of Amherst and um, how libraries are actually being an economic conduit for for the town. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Business Improvement District, the goal is to, you know, maintain, create and bring a vibrant, beautiful downtown Main Street America. Um, and I think that, you know, over the years, you know, pandemic, uh, e economy, you know, like any town, we've had our ups and downs. And one of the things that I took on when I took on this role was um, creating the Downtown Amherst Foundation, um, which is a 501c3 that's uh, separate from the bid. And we created the Drake was our first project, which is a live music and performance venue. And for me to build economy that is sustaining, sustainable, you have to have things that people a, a unique experience that they can only have in your town um, or something that draws people to our town. And I believe arts and culture are that. I believe if you have strong arts and culture, your economy is strong, your shopping is strong, your restaurants do well, your bars do well. And the library is arts and culture. The library is education and the library is gathering and community. So for us, from the standpoint of the Business Improvement District, the support is very strong for the library. Um, there are some statistics out there that every person that attend that goes into a library in a downtown spends five dollars in the downtown. That's an incredible amount when you consider it's the 22nd busiest library in the state of Massachusetts. That's a real economic driver. The Amherst Cinema is a real economic driver. The Amherst Farmers Market, a real economic driver. Now the Drake. Um, so to build this as a 21st century library that becomes even more of a unique experience for Amherst, what an incredible 
incredible opportunity for our small businesses, our stores, our restaurants. And it's really important to us. So not only am I a champion just as the bid director, I'm also a champion as a mother of a child in the public school system and as a taxpayer in Amherst. Um, but I do sit uh, a little quietly on the um uh, capital campaign committee, uh, mainly because I have to do a lot of fundraising for other organizations. Um, but I really enjoy my time on it. And I'm really blown away by the commitment and the passion behind this project. I find a hard time believing that you're quiet in any space that you're at, but I, I, I won't call you a liar on the show. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think you're right. I think that the arts and the culture and having places like the library, like the farmer's market, like Amherst Cinema, like the Drake, being an economic driver, drink, bringing people in, it has a ripple effect, right? So you're coming for one thing, but you're tending to stay for something else and you're not just leaving. You're not doing like one and done in a town. And so, you know, Talk a little bit about um, the funding for this project. I know that's been kind of a big deal, especially post-pandemic where, you know, inflation has been happening and prices have been going up. So, you know, where are we at in terms of project costs or, um, you know, project movement? I It's also been a long project. I know you feel like it's been going on for a long time. So... So the most recent announcement that we got to make was Amherst College uh, is, is, has pledged a million dollars towards the project. Um, this is an enormous, oh, it, it's, it was an historical moment to, to receive that news. Um, it is their it is their recognition of of the library's importance to downtown to the town of Amherst and and our connection with the college and the and the university. Um, so that was so exciting. So um, exciting! Congratulations! Thank That's you. Huge. Um, and we, million dollar gifts are really hard to secure. By the way, if anyone's never tried to do that, it's. I mean, when you're so this is a forty six million dollar project, and so it's easy to just let that number roll off your tongue. So when when you're talking about a million dollars, that's a lot of money. So yes, um, that's that really is showing their their trust in us, and and that felt amazing. Um, and also, how long it takes to cultivate a million dollar gift. We have From someone been, who does business development <laughs> and fundraising. So congratulations. You know, the fact that we're smack dab in the center of town, location, 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 but also being in Amherst. One of the great things about Amherst is the fact that we have the uni a world class university and Amherst College, holy cow, and Hampshire College, right all within walking distance, uh, we have access to and the ability to collaborate with all three of those higher education, higher ed uh, institutions, and, you know, access to free programming with all of those professors who have such incredible areas of expertise, and they love to share it with our patrons. So, so yes, we have an ongoing historical relationship with all of the uh, uh, higher ed institutions in town. Can I ask the original grant from the Mass Library what, what that amount is? Thank you. So uh, we received the, the largest grant the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners has ever given in their 30-year history of this grant program. It was $13.9 million. And can I also ask what you received from the federal uh, McGovern's grant? And McGovern worked, we, uh, you know, we... 
we love uh, Congressman McGovern, and he worked really hard to get for us a $1.1 million uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Economic Development Initiative Community Project funding grant. Holy cow. But yeah, another $1.1 million. And again, him showing us uh, how much he trusts us, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, Yes, yeah, it does. Awesome. It speaks volumes about people yeah. moving in the Rep. project. Dom and Senator Comerford. Thank you. That's what I wanted to do. Another shout out for Senator Joe Comerford, uh, Representative Mindy Dom. Um, not only did Mindy Dom uh, secure a $50,000 earmark for us for our new ESL pro- center, um, but in in connection with uh, Senator Comerford, uh, Mindy, Mindy Dom and, and the town council president, Lynn Griesemer. Over a year, uh, we had many discussions with the Board of Library Commissioners. One of the reasons that our project cost has escalated is because of COVID. Um, And so we went back to uh, the Board of Library Commissioners and we explained, and not just the Jones Library, but there are 11 other libraries across the state who are in the same position that we are, that that the project costs have escalated, you know, between 30 and 60%. Ours was a 40% increase. Um, Through those efforts we were able to get an additional 1.7 million dollars and that's really because of because of Comerford and Dome and before I think you have to wrap again uh, you want to say where you are right now with all of those fundraising efforts I want to say I so I don't have the the minute by minute I I think we have raised nine million dollars out of 14 it's incredible Congratulations. Thank you. It's a lot of money. We do have to take a break. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Gabrielle Gould, Sharon Sherry, Jones Library Conversation. This is Tara Brewster on the Western Mass Business Show. We'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm here today with Sharon Sherry, who's the director of the Jones Library, and Gabrielle Gould, who is the executive director of the Amherst Bid, and also a member of the Capital Campaign, um, a quieter member of the Capital <laughs> Campaign, um, in her words. But before we broke, Sharon was talking to us about the numbers of the project. And so, Sharon, I would love it if you could give everyone a recap of where we're at, what you've already gotten approved and allocated, and what you still have left to fundraise. Thank you so much for asking. So the town has already approved, town council and and the voters, 65% of the voters, have approved $15.8 million to go towards this project. Uh, As we said before, the state, the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners grant, um, the total is about $15.3 million. Which is the biggest one that they've ever given to any library in their 30-year history. Ever. Ever. Thank you. Like, that's that's big time. And we have raised $9 million out of the remaining $14 million as part of our capital campaign. Which is huge. It's really huge. Yeah. That's a lot of money. We expected, you know, when we did the feasibility study 10 years ago or so, uh, we expected to hit $6 million. That That was it. And we're already up to nine. And And because it's a long process uh people who would like to donate and we would love your donations
donations, um, you can donate over a five-year time span. And in order to donate, you would go to JonesLibraryCapitalCampaign.org. Um, and we'd love to have you a part of this project. And you can also find out a lot more information about the campaign. A lot of information that I learned before come, you both coming in today was from that website. So there's a lot of really good information and if on you're there. if you're looking for historical if you want to find out what we were thinking 11 years ago go to joneslibrary.org there's a specific uh place that you can click on uh and you see all of the documentation having to do with the building project and so you had said previously that your costs went up 40 percent Correct. So really, you would have already oh, hit yeah. your fundraising goal had it not been for COVID, had it not been for inflation. Correct. I'm going to say, had it not been for a lot of snafus, a lot of votes, a lot of, you know, re recalling this back and back and back, um, you know, for this amazing vote of 65% of the community. 65%. Um, you know, if you look back at the history of the push and pull of this concept, um, kind of like the elementary school, uh, you know, that we are now going to be building for the community that, you know, ten, you know, however many years ago, six years ago when it was up, it went up 50 to 60 percent in cost. Um, so every delay that any municipality hits um, is only adding to the cost. So, you know, that's why this is so important to have this happen now, because it's not going to get less expensive. It is not going to get less easy and it's not going to fix itself and have the HVAC systems. And I, I believe we had to close the library this year due to one of the systems failing. We did. Over the summer, there was a, a, a really heavy rainstorm and the rain came in very quickly and it, it came in through the atrium just like it always does. And then it seeped, it puddled on the floor and it seeped down to the basement level. And then the, uh, the smoke detectors got wet, which made our sprinkler system charge. And again, because the sprinkler system pipes are all at the end of their lives there are little tiny holes everywhere and it just finally said nope and and it burst and so we had to close for a couple days mm. borrowed time yeah and I find it interesting, you know, you hear you had to close for a couple of days and which is hard enough to do for any business. Right. But again, I want to, you know, really hit the point of this being a community center. This is where people go when they don't have Internet, when they don't have the access that a lot of us have. So I go back to that. You know, the library works for me if it's not if it has to close for a couple of days. I'll get my book a couple of days later. or I'll do my thing. But for other people, this library is not something that they can afford to lose for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. It's too important. Yeah. Also for cooling, you know, yeah. heating, everything for people mm -hmm. just to have we, a place that's safe. To we go. are very proud of the fact that a part of our mission is to serve people of all all economic backgrounds and, and from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. And we absolutely are a safe place to be for teenagers to come after school. We are also a cool place during the summer and a warm place during the winter. And so... Has the Capital Campaign Committee been the same people this whole way through? I mean, I feel like we should give a shout out to them. You don't have to name all their names, but could you just talk about the campaign committee a little bit? So we did we did the shout out for Kent Ferber. I'd also like to do a shout out for Lee Edwards, who is a trustee, and she's the other co-chair of the Capital Campaign Committee. They are so knowledgeable and friendly and and not afraid to inform and meet with people. 
and and just answer questions and and they do it in such a positive way that the community trusts them and and we have gotten as far as we have because of them and and the rest of the committee has just been unwavering um it it's hard to listen to some of the negative comments, but by far the majority of the residents of Amherst are ready for this exciting building project and they know that it will be transformative. And so is it happening? What is standing in your way? Do any more votes need to happen? Like where where is the project at right now? Thank you for asking. So we have uh, one more town council vote to go, and we're hoping that will be on Monday night, December 4th. Um, and then once that happens, we will finish up with our construction documents, go out to bid in January, um, receive uh, uh, general contractor bids in March-ish. Uh, construction will last 18 months, and then we'll do a grand opening in December of 2025. And so what will happen while the construction's taking place in the library? Right now, we are in the process of looking for an interim space or a swing space. Uh, we will. We do have two branches. We'll be able to open our our, our open hour schedules more there. Um, and stay tuned. There there will be a plan. We hope to still have some kind of presence in downtown uh, for holds pick up and drop off and. ESL is really important. Um, so that's kind of to be determined. And what do you mean when you say two branches? Oh, we have, uh, we're proud to talk about the North Amherst Library building. Um, you can visit us there. And the, the South Amherst Library building is called the Munson Memorial Library building. Uh, you can visit us there. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so those are the two branches. Okay. And so those are currently open now that people can utilize yes absolutely services and things like that yeah. great and so you said if people wanted to find out more the website is jones library capital org. yes yes great um and so any upcoming events for this fall that you want to talk about or programming that's happening right now that people should be looking out for? I was actually really bummed that I missed John Litgow um, in September. I was like, what? How did I miss that? I mean, I feel like I'm pretty hip to all the stuff going on. I clearly did not get that invite. John Lithgow was amazing. Yes. Uh, shout out to John Lithgow. Um, I actually got to share a stage with him and that was, yeah, pretty darn cool. Uh, but uh, I, I'll do a shout out to our on the same page program which is coming in february of next year we'll be collaborating with amherst college on this um i can't tell you the book or the author yet uh but um absolutely stay tuned for that awesome and gabrielle what's going on in amherst this fall slash winter Oh, gosh. Well, tomorrow night we have the lighting of the Merry Maple with the UMass Marching Band. On December 14th, we have the second annual Sip and Shop Stroll and Maker's Market, where we're bringing more than 20 vendors down to Amherst, horse-drawn carriage rides all throughout town, all the retail staying open late. And then in February, we'll be throwing our fourth annual Fire and Ice Festival. So we're keeping really busy in our downtown. I love it. Thank you so much for keeping downtown so vibrant and beautiful.
Thank and to you. both of you for just being amazing Amherst residents and business owners. I appreciate it. Thank so you much. so much. Yeah. So this is Tara Brewster. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. And I would just like to thank our sponsors, Greenfield Savings Bank, who is my employer, who allows me to be in the community. I really appreciate you um, and all the work that Greenfield Savings Bank has done for the past 154 years. It makes me really proud that we're such a philanthropic arm of the community. So thank you to GSB. Also, thank you to Business West, who is a really great um uh uh, publicist i want to say a a news reporter for all of us um sharing news stories all up and down the valley i appreciate you this is tara brewster you've been listening to the western mass business show thank you so much the western mass business show with tara brewster whmp